Hello and welcome to the Tiff's Truth Podcast. This is a podcast all about entrepreneurship, growth, and spirituality. Lakeisha Gray Sewell is an author, public speaker, journalist, and the CEO of Girls Like Me Project, which is an organization empowering and equipping African-American girls with the tools they need to become influential in their communities and all around the world. Welcome to the podcast, Keisha. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so proud of you. Uh, You just keep uh, evolving and growing and and at every turn you are expanding and allowing other people to grow with you so I appreciate uh, the invitation and I'm so honored to be one of your guests. Yeah thank you so much for being here you have been a huge support and we're going to talk about uh, the importance because like I told you earlier today your uh, the, the sort of topic of this episode and we're going to get into everything you do with girls like me and all the fabulous things you've been doing but I want to talk about uh, the topic of this episode is I am my sister's keeper because many times for whatever reason unfortunately as women uh, we have difficulty actually genuinely supporting one another and because you founded this great organization I definitely felt like you were um, the best person to speak to this topic and one of the things that I admire so much about you is your passion behind supporting women particularly young women so I want you to talk about your passion just behind uh, women and young girls and their and supporting them so I'll, I'll, I'll start with this story. Um, I guess all of us have like the origin story. We, we don't even know what it is, but, but it is our being put on, put, we're being placed on a path, right? Mm-hmm. And you never really know it, what it is until long after it happens. So I was about 10 years old and my mother and father had gotten divorced and we were then spending summers with my father. <clears throat> And so me and my sister Tiffany, (laughs) (laughs) uh, my little sister Tiffany, uh, she and I are 18 months apart and we are very close. And we had spent the summer with my father um, and his then girlfriend, uh, who we didn't really care for. He had just broken up with my stepmother and this new person, and we didn't really care for her. And she has some tactics and some antics that I have always been outspoken, like my mother instilled in me very early on my autonomy uh, for my body that nobody should be hitting me. My mother didn't really hit us. Um, My mother was very particular about the way she spoke to us, the things she said to us, right? And so I just expected the same out in the world. Mm. And so this woman had taken it upon herself to put her hands on my sister. Mm. Um, And I mean, it was crazy what she did. She she tied my sister up to a chair, like as in the time out. But like in 1986, you just didn't do stuff like that. So she had tied my sister up to this chair. And I was like, oh, hell no. So I'm, I'm, I'm just in a room out, you know, I'm, I'm in another room because she separated us. And I'm in another room trying to figure out this. I'm not like this is not <laughs> going to happen. Like, no. Right. So I, I I plotted and I made a plan to get my to untie my sister and then for us to leave my father's house and to go home. Now I was ten years old. My sister was probably eight or maybe she had been she had made nine and I hadn't made eleven yet. 
And so I um I got my sister, I untied her, and you know, watching Woody Woodpecker, you saw him always with his um knapsack. The little knapsack the over the shoulder. The, the right. over the shoulder stick with the bandana tied up like a hobo. <laughs> so I I fashioned us one of these. I mean, it was so it was so crazy. So I fashioned us this, I got us all of our stuff, and I headed out the door with my sister. We snuck out the back door. Um, and through the alleys and back to the street. And we walked from 55th in Chicago on the south side. We walked from 55th in Walcott to 49th in Michigan. Um, and we walked home to my mother, to my mother's home. And I think that that, that was God telling me then what my calling would be. Mm. Um, that's I would be an advocate and I would be a protector, a big sister. I would be a, a, a champion for girls like me wow and that's the so that's the origin story of of girls like me project so so talk a little bit about what it is uh you do and how long girls like me you know has has been around yeah and i say that girls like me is probably just uh a segment of what my lifestyle is black women and girls like that's just me. I, I can't separate what I, you know, how I live and my mantra and everything. But what we do at Black at Girls Like Me is, um, and you and I both uh, majored in communications, mm-hmm. SIU. So communications for me has always been my saving grace, my path. When I was young on Thursday nights, Channel 5, Cosby Show, and Different World showed me all of the possibilities beyond what I saw every single day, regardless, you know, what I was seeing in my life, my reality at night on television, I knew that I could go away to college mm-hmm. and I knew that there were some grand plans for me in terms of family, in terms of occupation, all of these things like media, watching television, reading books. This was my escape. This was my hope and my promise. Fast forward to, um, Fast forward to um, when my children were in fifth grade, fourth grade, I noticed that television was also still influential, but it was having a negative impact on kids. So they were copying everything they saw on reality TV. They was doing this mean girl behavior. They were bullying each other and very sexual, sexually towards boys, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so I'm like, no, this, this is, we got to interrupt this. We got to show them the power of positive media. We got to let them see. So what we do is I took my love for media and I took the power of media and created this organization whereby we teach black girls an understanding of media literacy. That is why media messages are created, who creates them and what the impetus is for creating them and how it influences their lives, how it has influence over public policy and how it influences public perception. Um, and we give them the power to understand that and then help them to rediscover their power using narratives and taking back narratives so that they don't fall victim to stereotypes and stigma. So we do workshops, we do uh, exposure, engagement, um, we provide history lessons. Uh, we just we just want them to see the world through media and um, beyond media. And are you a nonprofit or a uh, incorporated? We are a non-for-profit 501c3 recognized by the United States 
Department of Internal Revenue Service. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because that is important. <laughs> it, it is very important. But speaking of media images, I want you to talk about with all of the images that are out there, how you go about instilling in young women to find that balance between um, their body autonomy, as you mentioned, their sexuality and, you know, sort of being a respectable. And I don't like to use that because that whole respectable term is relative, right? People tell certain women, oh, this isn't respectable, that isn't respectable. But you know what I mean, just sort of finding that balance between um, their sexuality and you know, becoming the best version of themselves. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So, so I, I tell, I, I'm probably not the right person to ask for that because I tell girls to use media to push back against everything that has to do with anything concerning respectability. Mm-hmm. The one, the one thing and the only thing that I want black girls is to understand who they are, have a sense of self, where they come from, what greatness they come from. And then how that applies to them. However, they see that applied to them. Just as long as whatever they do, they can find truth in it. They can find something to be proud of in it. And that it relates back to who they are and who they are and where they come from. If they can do that, you can do whatever you want to do. You can, you can, you can break all the rules. You can do whatever you want to do as long as you're doing it for the reason that it is true to who you are. Yeah, because I think it's in, I think it's important, like, especially when we're talking about sexuality and things like that, that, you know, we're instilling in women that we are, you know, exploring our sexuality and doing what it is we want to do. Um, because it, it's what we want to do, not because we want somebody to like us. And again, that goes back to the whole sense of self. So how does a, how does a young woman go about, and I, I'm sure you work with young women and explore this about sort of finding, beginning to find their sense of self? Yeah. So first thing we do, um, we, our curriculum is, uh, it's very, it, 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 it <clears throat> traverses through history, right? So we begin at the very beginning of time where black women started. And so we, we get them to see even, even, you know, back in, um, ancient civilization, when you look at Cleopatra and we look at other, um, uh, black Queens who, who ran civilizations, you see that they used a lot of makeup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did. Faces. They use a lot of garish, what we would call a lot of garish jewelry. They were very gaudy, uh, adorned and gaudy, right? And they also were very uh, much in tune with their nudity, right? Naked bodies and and so on and so forth. So when when these days and times try to shame girls for doing that, it's not going to have the same effect, right? It's not going to have the effect that you wanted to have. Right. So we, we first couldn't make that connection to them to say when and why and what circumstances they did this. And when they understand that they did this when they were in a in a um in a, a posture of power, not that they were trying to uh, gain power or attempt to gain power or attention, but they had already commanded these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we when we take them through that lesson and then we show them like how other women through time had to revert to doing it so that they could get power, they could get access, they could get money, they could get married, they could get all these different things. We see what a power switch. So you just get them to start 
thinking, just thinking of these things, just having some critical thoughts around these things and giving them questions to ask of themselves and society, you kind of get them to answer the questions for themselves. Yeah. Cuz you can't you can't tell them how to think. You can't you can't tell them what something how something will resonate with them. You can only show them, give them some questions, some introspective questions and then allow them to 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 formulate discover. their own. Right. Yeah. They can go on a path of discovery and then that's when you see behaviors change. Mm-hmm. Um building up relationship with girls is important, right? Because you and I can, anybody can just come along and just be like, you shouldn't do that. And right. That ain't right. And that's, that's, that's uh ghetto or whatever words they use to, to try to shame girls. And that's, that, that's, that's not in the Bible or that's against the law or that's, you're going to get in trouble. All these different things, right. That we use to scare taxes, to get them to do things. But girls only respond and anybody only responds to people whom they have real true relationship with when they mm-hmm. understand and they know, and they, they believe you when you say that you're a safe space and that you have their best interest. And then that is when they are, they confide in you. That's when they look to you, for example, that's when they will even take correction and direction from you. So we, we start with that history, relationship building and mirror. But we also make sure that they have, you know, mirrors and affirmations so that they can continue to find their own voice uh, and recognize their own uh, insecurities and the confidences, right? And be able to um, really affirm themselves. So we give mm-hmm. them those tools as well. And then just the space where they can be girls. Like <laughs> this world is so ready for them to grow up and to have all of these, uh, take on all of these um obligations and expectations and responsibilities in society you know all of the grades they should get all the clubs they should belong to all of the uh, aspirations they should have like when when can girls just be silly girls or introspective girls or just girls who who can just dream I don't think mm-hmm. there are very many places for that so we just try to create those spaces for them to do those things what are some of the mistakes that you think previous generations uh, have made um, as it pertains to raising young women, like uh, like our moms and our grandmothers? Mm-hmm. Although they yeah. did the best, that they did what they knew how to do because they were raised a certain way, but there was still, there's always room for growth, right? Yeah. So can I curse? Absolutely. So first of all, I don't think it was a mistake because I think like you just said is what they knew to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something that we've learned and what we've seen and what we've grown to see is that it's time to say fuck all this shit. Mm. And what do you mean by that? And I mean all of the the what kind of grade you getting, what school are you getting accepted into? And I mean as early as grammar school right these these parents are oh i have to get my child into this school and this program and mm-hmm. have to have them involved in this and that and they have to be members of this and we have to live in this place and this is how she has to wear hair and all of these things that don't mean anything because guess what those mothers have all tried right some of them have excelled some of them are walking around right now with st john suits on popping out Lexuses and Mercedes Benz and living in some of the nicest neighborhoods, right? And the nicest suburbs you want to have, members of this alumni and this and that and the third, and they are miserable. Mm. They're they're at jobs that are unfulfilling. 
They are in marriages that are completely unfulfilling. They are constantly trying to keep up this facade. Not even a facade. This this they're trying to keep up this um like they want the, this this uh charade. Like they're mm. they're playing this game. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a constantly losing battle. And at nighttime, they are miserable. They're wearing their hair the way that it should be wear, worn, the way that the policy book says that it can be worn at work. They're vacationing in the spaces that people tell them are the, two, the places they should be. You know, they're joining churches that say that that's the church that you should belong to. All these different things. And they are miserable as hell. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and I think that our girls, this generation, are showing us that all that stuff don't even matter. Like, right. like it doesn't matter today. I would not do it, but I, I swear I want to do it. Right today, I, um, I had an appointment. I was, I was supposed to be somewhere, and it, it got canceled. Right. I was so grateful because I was having a horrible. I just taken my my braids out from my hair, so I'm having a. I'm struggling with a hair day. And so I was able to actually do my hair, twist it up, and and uh, put some twists in it, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, if I need to go out, I I would I would love to put a bonnet on, but dang, if I have to go out, I have to take my bonnet off. <laughs> I, I swear out to you, I was like, I will go outside in a bonnet. Now I've never done it, right? <laughs> I've never done that, but the freedom to do that, mm-hmm. the freedom that these girls are taking to do that, like, what if I did that? Would it take away from all of the things that you've that you've you, accomplished that you read off in my bio? Right. right does, yeah. does me wearing my bonnet take away from any of that? Mm. What does it say if I did that? What does it say, really? Mm. That you know, and I, I'm using that as an example, but there are so many other things that we keep this. Oh, you shouldn't do. You can't do. You that's you're not supposed to do, and it means nothing. And I'm just so glad that our girls are forcing us. To really be like, fuck that shit. It don't matter. At the end of the day, it does not matter. So then where does decorum come in, though? Like, where does a time and a place for everything come in, though? Do you still believe that that particular ideology or way of thinking that that still, like, applies at some point, right? I think um, I don't like decorum. Mm. I'm just I'm just that girl. I'm just that chick. But there are plenty, there are plenty organizations, plenty of places and entities that love it and they're gonna stick to it and they're gonna ensure they're gonna fight to the death for it. All all praises to them, they can do that. But me, I'm I'm not a decorum, I'm not a lady like decorum type chick. That's not me. <laughs> I'm 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 <laughs> because you like come as come as you are as, come your, as best, you are as, and, as, I, and your best self doesn't necessarily mean how you look on the outside. It doesn't mean all. that at all, at all. At right. all. And you know what? For me, like I said, I would never, and I've never gone out with a bonnet on my head, right? And I've never gone out and looking any kind of way just because I've grown up and had been poured into by a different generation of women who made me feel so self-conscious about how you have to show up and how you have to come out that it would be hard for me to break away from that. But mm-hmm. my my child... <laughs> Oh my gosh, she's made me cringe so many times. And then it's like she's been my mirror to be like, does it even matter though? Mm-hmm. I think that when people feel good about themselves, when people truly uh have the means, right? 
um, because we also got to understand decorum and where these places of decorum are often asked or, or required. Let's look at what those places represent. And most times they represent access. Most times they act, represent excess, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say a, who, who, who doesn't have the ability to continuously get her hair done and go get her, her braids in or this, that, or shampoo to wash her hair, right? even to keep her hair clean. Let's say she doesn't have the wherewithal to do that. And the bonnet is the best thing she can do for her hair. Mm. Those places that would shun her, what are they really offering? Mm. And is it an offering to continue down this path of chasing down this illustrious charade? Like, is it, is it Candyland? <laughs> are we just trying to continue this charade, this game? Instead of allowing people to the freedom to cultivate and to really be who they are, show up as they wish to show up. Are we giving mm-hmm. them the tools to show up in the way we're asking them to show up? Or are those places only meant for people who can keep up the charade? Are they not meant for girls like me who may not have the access, the, the, uh, the affordability to do that? So your your thing is all about freedom and allowing young girls the freedom to be whoever it is they want to be at the at the time. The, and then to, so what 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 do you think that that does for a young woman just to have that freedom and to not to go into a space to have a space a safe space to uh be free and not be judged and to be their authentic self. I think when you do that, and, and so first, so like, I, I don't want people to listen to it like, oh, she just want people out in the street looking crazy, acting crazy, <laughs> talking crazy, because that's not that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that when you allow people the freedom to be, to discover mm-hmm. themselves, and to really see what they like, not what not what a rule told them they have to be, not what the expectation is, but when you let them see who they are and what fits for them, I think people will always choose better. Right. They always mm. choose the better option if it is given to them and not forced upon them. Um, when you have an example of Claire Huck, let's just use let's just use television, right? Media and Claire Huxtable. Now, Claire Huxtable didn't come on television and be like, y'all better be an attorney and get a husband and dress like me. No, she never said that. She simply was. She was on television. She just had that whole persona. Now, even even little ghetto girls like me growing up on the south side on the low end of Chicago looked at a Claire Hustle and said, I would love to be that. Mm-hmm. And it gave yeah. me something to aspire to. Yeah, that's a good point. Sometimes your beingness, as as they say, you don't have to beat people over the head is the point you're getting at. You don't have to beat anybody over the head. Sometimes you showing up in your full authentic self and your regalness, just your beingness and who you are will inspire people to do the same. And whatever that looks like for them is what it looks like for them. And when I show up in authenticity, Mm-hmm. Right, not because again, my job dictates to me that I have to do it, or society is dictating that I have to do it. But that's how I feel. That's how I dress. Right. That's mm-hmm. how I. That's how I want to be out in the world. Not because I'm showing up so I can impress somebody. Right. So when we show up, when people and and girls, this is why I love about them too. They can spot phony in a minute. Mm. Most that, kids, yeah, most that, kids are like this, that. This broad ain't real. She ain't. Real. She trying to. <laughs> she trying to. You know. I don't like her. They tell us <laughs> so many girl programs 
will tell you that and and um let me see how I will say this because I don't want to but I'll just say this <laughs> girls have said I don't want to be a part of that mm. don't send her back in here don't bring that program in here now you can talk to any principal you want to talk to and and it might be me but whoever mm. like girls will tell you what resonates with them and what they don't like and what they not feeling um and they not feeling they tired of all of that. You got to look this way and talk this way and do this thing. Now, on the other hand, right? Because it's always extremes. Right. And I'm not trying to be an extreme of anything. But on the other hand, we also have to we also have to make sure that we are giving them the tools, the full tools to let them decide. So they they can't just be out here uh, because my concern is a lot of these young people don't even know how to hold conversation. And mm-hmm. they also don't know how to communicate effectively. Um, so while they have the freedom, I think it's very important also that we give them, again, the tools. So whatever choice you make, you you will not be ill-equipped for the world. And however you show up, you show up however you want to show up, but uh, you can command room with your conversation. You can command room with your thought process and your intellect. You can command um, you know, your respect because just you you are a genuine person who shows up in a godly way or uh, a way that reflects the most high or whatever you want to call it. Um, you you just reflect the supreme beingness. Um, and so we we have to continue to give them because some some somewhere along the way we've lost the um the 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 push to push and pull uh, young people into being able to effectively communicate and say their thoughts and, and, and deal with all the emotions that they have. How have the women in your life, whether they are still alive or now in the ancestral realm, um, help to support you in your work? Be it good or bad, you know. Sometimes, sometimes we have a grandmother that we don't want to be like, you know, and that and that inspired our work. I do not, thank God. Um, But you know, God rest all of their souls. But you know, sometimes even those bad influences, like you told the story and like the story you told in the beginning, have a huge impact on our lives. Yeah, man. Okay, so just just last week, I ended my week. Uh, in a sister circle with two very uh, sisters that are close to me that I respect greatly. And uh, we were just having a, a sister circle and we talked about that. You know, when we, when we talk about our ancestors rocking for us and riding with us, we better know that all of your ancestors, <laughs> like you got all that auntie that's, that talk crazy. And, even the crazy, I was just yes. about to say, even the crazy ones are yes. with you. Yep. Even the cra- even the ones and you that- need them. Yep. And even the ones that were, weren't so good to you. Right. So again, every time I, I, I have come up with this, um, we talk, it's easy to talk about the good, right. But it's hard to talk about the bad. And I'll say this, I have, I, I, oh gosh, mm, this is public. So it's going to be said. So I will say that, um, mental and emotional abuse is very real. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I dealt with that a lot. Um, my mother was a different kind of mother. She was breaking the mold in her family and that she talked with her children, talked with love to her children. She respected us. We had a voice. We could say we have freedoms. 
um, that wasn't so much the case across our family, and especially a child as as outspoken <laughs> as I was and serious <laughs> as I was. And so um, a lot of times I was the troublemaker, the fast one, talk too much, think she grown, think she cute, think she... I thought I was everything, according to some people. Um, and so what that did for me is I had a stepmother who believed that I was a superstar and that that she was going to dress me up and just take me to O'Hare Airport because Midway wasn't really nothing back then, but she was going to O'Hare and I was going to be discovered and all this. And like she say these type of things to me all the time, dress me up and plan my hair and just do all kinds of things. My mother always told me I was a star that I was special, always, my teachers. And so I didn't get that from my own aunts, right? I got it Mm -hmm. in church and and women in my church. And so those women always made me know, one, the type of auntie that I wanted to be, the type of big sister I wanted to be. Um, Well, I guess I should say that I didn't want to be, right? Mm -hmm. I knew what I didn't want. And that, that, I think that propels me more than the ones who did what I wanted. Cause I, what you chasing and what you, what you seek, you have to become. And so I wanted to be those things. Um, and then the women who did those things for me, the women who saw in me, even when those voices from the, the people who would constantly criticize or try to put me down or talk down who she thinks she is, she thinks she did, she thinks she that. Like that voice, even now at 48 years old, those voices are who she thinks she's something. She thinks she thinks she thinks those voices are louder. I have to constantly, mm-hmm. constantly um, remember. And my mother's still alive and very much close to me now. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have to see I have to go deeper and quiet into the quiet to hear those voices because the negative voices have more influences over my life, even still. Um, Always. Yeah. Therapy helps a lot with that. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, that those, so when you talk about women and support, I think um, when you, when you get to the point also um, where you, you understand that you create your circle of influence Mm. that you have to design what sisterhood looks like for you and how that, how you show up for that. I think that um, if things get a little more easy and, and you see like life is not hard, life should not be hard. Life does not have to be a struggle. Things are harmonious and you can create and design that harmony based on the people you allow into your lives, the people you allow into your children's lives, like the people you allow in your space and I know people think that it's not, you know, that social media is just social media, but I'm big on this. All of my spaces need to be spaces that feel, for me, feel sacred and like a sanctuary. Yeah, absolutely. Especially at this age and all of the other things that we're juggling, you definitely don't. I think I posted something the other day just about how, you know, you don't want to put yourself I posted it and I posted like something else that agreed with what I had posted but just showing up in spaces where you're uncomfortable is just not the move especially at this age (laughs) you definitely want to at this age you want to carefully curate um your space (laughs) carefully I, I was at an event um a couple of weeks ago or last month I'll say and 
And one of the things that was said on the stage was, you know, we need to be in spaces. We need to stop trying to fit in mm-hmm. and go where we belong. Yeah. And some, and sometimes it's difficult because you don't know where you belong, especially if you're in a transition period where you're sort of in between worlds where you're like, I know I'm not supposed to, you know, I'm walking away from this old life, but I haven't yet sort of gotten to the space where I know God wants me to be. So I'm sort of in between worlds and I don't know where I belong yet. It's, it's difficult. And that's the space that, you know, that's kind of the space that I've been in for a while, you know, sort of in, in the, in the in between. I, 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 I'd say though, that you always know where you belong. You know Mm. where you belong because when you're there, you feel comfortable enough to explore yourself okay you feel comfortable enough to be yourself you don't feel like you have to contort distort or tuck yourself in in those places where you belong yeah and 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 that that doesn't mean you know that you know your next move but it definitely no you definitely know oh I belong here I can be myself I can be free I can explore I can I can look around and I can speak how I speak I don't have to I don't have to do anything that's not who I am and I think the more we get out of the spaces where we're trying to figure out and fit in and just be, mm-hmm. I think those are the, that's how we that's how we know we're on the right path. When and I we, think that goes back to having a strong sense of self too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and self is changing, ever changing. Self mm-hmm. is not constant, right? <laughs> because yep. we're we're growing. But the one thing we do know for sure is our our um, constitution, right? If you're if you're a person who who needs to feel, you know, a person who who likes to talk mm-hmm. and, and you know that. Right. If you're a person who's an observer, you know that if you're a person who um, likes recognition, you know that if you're mm-hmm. a person who likes to uh, give gifts or receive gifts or whatever it is about yourself, those things pretty much are constant. Right. And so if you can't, if you're loud, somebody said to me the other day, we were having a debate or whatever, and I'm a debater, right? This is just, I, I engage in, in um, provocative conversation, conversation to make me think, you think, all of us think, present new facts. This is just what I do. And the person, and they're quiet, quiet, um, a mild-mannered person, and they said to me in the middle of the conversation, you getting loud is not going to make me agree with you or make you make your point right. And I'm, I said, I said, let me clarify. I'm loud because I'm loud. It's not a tactic or a strategy, right? Mm-hmm. I'm loud. You may be soft-spoken. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to calm down and listen, you know, more intently to you because you're whispering. We both are showing up. <laughs> <laughs> we both showing up in this conversation as we are. As who we are. And we're going to yeah. respect each other as that but don't take it as it's being some kind of strategy so my point is who you are is who you are now you shouldn't be out in the world disrespectful you know you're right who you are should never encroach or impede or disrespect or diminish another person right mm-hmm. also who you are you shouldn't feel like you have to shrink or you, somebody else has to bring it down so you can step up right everybody has mm-hmm. to, everybody has to come in the room fully and you know and when you can't come in the room fully that's when you know 
I'm where I belong. Everybody may not agree with you in this room. Everybody may not look like you in this room. There may be a range of thought, a range of uh, appearances, a range of values, but I'm, I feel safe here. I feel like I can be in this room and, and, and be who I am. That's when you know you belong. If you're trying to figure out, do I speak like this? Do I talk like this? Do I have to dress like this to get in here? Do I have to do? Then you're trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. So how do you think we can, what do you think we can do better um, to support each other as women and how we can teach our young girls to do the same, how we can better show up for each other? Because a lot of times we say that we're supportive of each other or women will say, you know, I'm, I'm a supporter of women. And, you know, that is not the case. So here, here again, like I just said, if I, who I am, as long as it's not diminishing you, harming you, intruding on you, encroaching on your space, that's a level of support, right? Um, what I found when I first, when I first, because at 18 years old, I would never have a conversation about I'm a supporter of women. I would never mm-hmm. say that. I would, I'm who I am and I do what I do. And I probably have more allegiance to my fat, my, the sisters and my cousins and my family, right? And my friends, if you weren't my sister's cousin and my family, then you just another chick, right? It wasn't like, oh, I I, I have some kind of uh, allegiance or affiliation to her. Never would have thought that. In, first, in fact, used to be one of those chicks who would say, I don't have girlfriends. I don't have female friends, females. Like, I used to say that dumb shit all the time when I was younger, right? Mm. As I got older, I think that's the most, that's the first sign that you are hurt and the first sign that you are in need of some friends, some female friends. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But as I've gotten older, I also know that this whole banner of I support all women is phony as fuck and I don't rock it. I don't, I don't, I don't wave that banner. I don't support all women. Okay, so you don't support all I don't. Women. I love all women, right? I just love us mm-hmm. all because I know we all have the potentiality to do and be, but I don't support everybody. I don't support women who support who support rape culture. I don't support mm-hmm. women who uh, degrade and diminish Black girlhood when it's not respectability. Um, I don't rock with chicks who believe that, you know, by rocking pearls and chucks makes, uh, you know, put away all the political... Um, think politi- politicize things that are done against oppressed people. I don't rock with that. So I can't say that I would support somebody like that. Um, and so I think that's what we have to do. We have to be true and honest about who, what that support looks like. I support people who have the values that I have. I support people who, uh, who are kind and harmonious. They don't do mean things to people. They aren't mean to other people. Um, it's a whole list. So I think that this blanketed women's empowerment support women is not something that even can be attained. We're all, it's no monolith. You know, we're not a monolith. All women are not the same. All women don't support and speak and voice things the same. We don't have the same values. There are mm-hmm. women, I'll just put it out there, women who have no problem with R. Kelly and who believe that R. Kelly is the king of the world and that fast-ass little girls should be punished because uh, they were victimized by R. Kelly. I wouldn't rock with right. no, I wouldn't rock with a chick like that. I I can't right. you know what I'm saying? So I, I think that yeah, I think it's too much that we want to put on women who 
who say that they're girls advocates or, or who advocate for women or who are um, black, who are womanist or who are black feminist theorists um, that we want to make it like we just all kumbaya and we all get along and love and support everybody and that that's not the case. I want you to tell um, the listeners what is next for girls like me and where they can uh, find you and get their young girls involved in your organization. Well, oh my gosh, there's so much promise that we have that we want to do things we want to do. Our end goal is to have a production and research center. We want girls to begin to produce and whether that's podcasts, documentaries, short films, whatever, any 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 media project that they want to come to fruition, we want to have that space for them to do that. And we also want to have a research institute whereby we're training Black girls and Black women to do their own research, to research ourselves, um, and to gather our own data. You know, as I'm in, in school now for my master's, that's one thing that I'm, I'm really big on is us controlling our narrative and us controlling our research. Um, and so that's that's our five to 10 year goal. <laughs> um, and then outside of that, just the goal is just to continue to uh, partner with CPS, partner with other organizations and other entities so that we can bring more girls into our uh, divas in the city and our curriculum so that more girls understand who they are again. Um, because one thing we believe is that it doesn't matter how much we we can try to send them to college campuses, we can try to send them into jobs, we can try to send them everywhere. But if they don't know who they are, whose they are and, and how to be, they'll be coming back home <laughs> they mm-hmm. they won't want to stay. They'll be quitting jobs or they'll have so much conflict in their lives. And we if we can get to this earlier, then we can we can have them out in the world more confident, more fulfilled and contributing right productively um, to society. And so uh, the goal is to partner with 10 new schools next year. We not only want to come into schools, but we even want to enter into a partnership whereby we train the trainers. So we, we will train your staff that they can do this work themselves. And then, you know, that allows us to um, have more girls. We also want, these are the things we want to do, right? We want to take them on a tour of America to all of, to six spaces, six cities where black women have done definitive and life-changing work. So we want to take them to Memphis or Holly Springs, Mississippi, but by way of Memphis for Ida B. Wells's um, trek, we want to take them to um, Montgomery, Alabama for Rosa Parks, teaching them the history of both these women, you know, all these women who we want to go to their spaces. We want to take them to D.C. to see what Dorothy Hype and uh, Mary McLeod Bethune were able to build with the United um, the Negro Women's Congress. Um, We want to take them to Harriet Tubman's space. We want to take them around the country um, so they can see how Black women have contributed. And then um, obviously seeing some uh, college campuses. So that's something that we want to do. We also want to... um, create we do now we have healing circles free healing circles girls are getting 20 sessions um i mean five sessions of healing through reclaiming minds wellness therapy and wellness our partner they get through free therapy and social emotional support we do mother-daughter healing circles 
Um, we are working with Damon Reed and the Still Searching Project uh, to make sure that we craft a handbook and uh, of, of missing black girls, their stories and murals to go along with us. So we're working on that. We are on all social media, including TikTok and Instagram, Girls Like Me Project. Uh, we're on Twitter, Girls Like Me, P-R-O-J. We're on Facebook, Girls Like Me Project. Um, I want to thank you for uh, joining me on the uh, podcast today. And I definitely am, you know, I admire you and I admire the work that you're doing. And I wish you much success in the future. And same to you. I, I, I'm, I'm so invested and really curious. And when I say curious, just like I'm just watching and just excited for all of the ways that you are coming out of. And I don't want to say a cocoon because you've been in the game doing your journalism thing and producing and that sort of thing. But as I said before, like the evolution of you and all of the things that you're doing, like the growth, the book, the speaking to children, this podcast. And I think um, the world is is in store for so much magic. And, and um, what I'll say to you is you belong wherever you go, you belong in the places when you don't feel like you like right now, you are where you're supposed to be. And mm -hmm. those spaces that make you feel tight or make you feel, you know, encumbered or encroached upon, then move around this. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a space waiting for you. It's like a butterfly. You know, you flit over here. That's not the right flower. Nothing. That's nothing. It don't, it don't, it don't take nothing off the wing. It don't take nothing off the color. It takes nothing away from that butterfly. That butterfly just moves on until it finds the sweet spot. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Tiff's Truth Podcast. There'll be many more of these discussions to come, but in the meantime, make sure you're following me on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. You can also catch me on Instagram at Tiff's Truth. My name is Tiffany, and this is my truth.